0: Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith.
1: He gives you power to renounce the things of this world and live for a world to come. There's the power of redemption working in your life where you're being changed, you're being transformed. You're no longer the same person you were a year ago because God is working on the inside and there's that power of the resurrection that already is flowing in the believer's life that will
0: take him beyond death to eternal life. As Pastor Ed concludes his series on the Lord's Prayer in today's message, he reiterates the need to praise our Savior. He asks us an important question, do we merely say that God is our Lord, or are we actually living with God as our Lord? If we're to truly embrace God's kingdom purposes, we're basically giving every aspect of our lives over to Him. We're laying our agenda at His feet. His glory then becomes our priority. His views of the world then become our views. Our desires change for the better. Well, let's join Pastor Ed in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 13, for his conclusion of his message entitled, Doxology.
1: Dr. Luke, when he was writing the Gospel of St. Luke in the second chapter, first verse, makes a comment, but I believe he's drawing a contrast for us when he said, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Caesar Augustus, the most powerful man in the world at that time. He could sign a document and it can change history. His word could determine people's lives. And so he says, everyone is to go back and be taxed. And it sets in motion the wheels of history and it reaches all the way from Rome to Jerusalem and there mary and joseph leave from nazareth to go to bethlehem and there a child is born now caesar augustus ruled the then known world he was concerned about his glory <laughs> well earth, bow down to Caesar Augustus. Heaven saw the true king. (laughs) And the angels sang. In Luke chapter 2, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared, uh, the angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men, whom his favor rest. What a contrast. Caesar... Christ, Christ in a simple manger, Caesar on the throne of Rome. But heaven says the real kingdom, the real scepter is in the hand of that child, Jesus. Caesar brought peace at a price. Jesus also brought peace at a price. He laid down his life. And in a world filled with turmoil, people find an incredible peace that passes all understanding when the King of Peace reigns in their hearts. In my short lifespan, I've seen ten presidents. They've come and they've gone. You who are older, In your 70s, you remember the fury of Hitler. You remember how world leaders shook the world. But where are they now? You remember the song, the chorus that says, Jesus, Jesus, there's just something about that name. Kings and kingdoms will pass away. But there's something about that name. Where is Caesar? Where is Napoleon? Where is Alexander the Great? In the video store. <laughs> I didn't mean to say it that way. <laughs> but in the video store you'll see a video and it's titled When We Were Kings and spoke of Xboxers. When we were kings, there has been. But so is every other king. So is every other power. There is only one who is everlasting, who lasts from one generation to another generation to another generation to another generation. He is the king eternal, and he reigns forever and ever hallelujah hallelujah Daniel the prophet said praise the name of God forever and ever for he alone has wisdom and power he determines the course of world events he removes kings and sets others on the throne he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars see all of the power is his as well the kingdoms belong to him he reigns, He rules, He conquers the hearts of men not with a sword but with His love and by His precious blood, by His sacrifice. Thine is the kingdom, thine is the power. The power is God's. In Psalm sixty-two eleven, it says this, Power belongeth unto the Lord. Every king has power. But every king wants more power. Every earthly king would like to have more power. They're limited in their monarchies. Their economics are limited by natural resources. Their armies are limited by the strength of their military personnel. Their policies are limited by the wisdom of their counselors. I like what Revelation says, hallelujah. For the Lord God Almighty, all might, all power is His. See, God controls the atoms, the protons, the neutrons, the electrons, space and matter. The hymn writer said, I'll sing the almighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. It's his power. There's, first of all, the power of renunciation. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross. Jesus lived his prayers perfectly. This prayer cannot be prayed by a selfish heart because it begins and ends in a sense, our Father. You can't bring yourself by yourself to the throne of grace. It's collectively taking the body of Christ with you to the throne room of God. It's praying for one another. It's a prayer that demands self-renunciation. And Jesus said, I must be about my Father's business. We can't live the Christian life in our own power, in our own energy, in our own strength. We can't say no to the charm of the world, but like Moses, when we see the one who is high and lifted up and exalted, we could turn our backs on Egypt and we could choose to rather suffer with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a passing moment. See, there's power to renounce the attraction of this world because there is a greater attraction in our hearts. It's the attraction of the cross of Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior hallelujah it's a call that says I'm ready to lay down my life there's the power of renunciation the power of redemption in Ephesians three twenty, it reads now glory be to God by his mighty power at work within us he is able to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever dare to ask or hope. See, we believe he has the power. He has the power. We say, hallowed be thy name. We believe he has the power to do that. Thy kingdom come. We believe he has the power to bring his kingdom about. We say, thy will be done. We believe he has the power to do that. When we present our needs, we believe he's able to give us bread. He is able to forgive us. He is able to deliver us from the evil one. We recognize that our Savior has the power. The power to redeem us from all sin. We sing, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb of God. Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Would you be free from your passion and pride? There is power in the blood. Would you be whiter, much whiter than snow? There is power in the blood. Would you do service for Jesus, your King? There is power in the blood. So there's power to redeem us. Power to resurrect us. Romans 8, 11 says... And that the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. I like this quote. Let me read it to you by N.T. Wright. Why did Christianity rise? And why did it take the shape it did? The early Christians themselves reply, we exist because of the Jesus' resurrection, that was the reason for the church. Had there not been a resurrection, there would not be a church. It's not just the fact of the empty tomb, the fact that they couldn't find a body. It's the fact that they met a resurrected Lord, and that resurrected Lord is still living. He's alive forevermore. And so, beloved, there's the power of the resurrection. Hallelujah. There's that power that when we face death, we know that death, even though it reaches out with its hands and pulls men to the grave, it cannot hold us there. It cannot keep us there. It cannot imprison us there because he had victory over death. Hallelujah. Ah, The longer I live, the more I appreciate the power of the resurrection as loved ones, as friends, as family members pass on as I stand beside the site of a grave site and I I say dust to dust, ashes to ashes. We commit his body to this ground, his soul, to his creator and maker. I look at that family not with dismay if that person knew Jesus Christ, not with discouragement, because I know that death is not final. It's an entrance into an everlasting life. And I believe in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in the words of the Nicene Creed that both end with the hope of our resurrection. Beloved, he has all power power to raise us from the dead power to cancel death hallelujah reverend Kelly a pastor of a Methodist church on Palm Sunday was preaching a terrible tornado came and ripped that church apart and killed reverend Kelly's six year old daughter Next week, Easter Sunday, in the midst of the runes, Reverend Kelly stood behind the podium and preached on the power of the resurrection. Death is not final for the believer. Christians marched into the arena ready to be burned at the stake, ready to be devoured by lions, ready to give their life a sacrifice, not bound by terrible fear but with an incredible confidence that they would receive a martyr's crown with incredible confidence that there was a resurrection because Jesus said I am the resurrection and the life he that believeth in me shall never, never, never die we live for all eternity death has no hold on us death has no grip on us because his is the power his is the power and the glory the songwriter said crown him with many crowns crown him Lord of life who triumphed o'er the grave and rose victorious in the strife for those he came to save his glory is now we sing who died and rose on high who died eternal life to bring and lives that death may die hallelujah hallelujah finally and lastly we've talked about the kingdom the kingdom belongs to God the power belongs to God power brokers come and go there's only one almighty one whose power never abates with age never changes with the changing of the seasons and that's the power of almighty God he gives you power to renounce the things of this world and live for a world to come. There's the power of redemption working in your life where you're being changed. You're being transformed. You're no longer the same person you were a year ago because God is working on the inside and there's that power of the resurrection that already is flowing in the believer's life that will take him beyond death to eternal life. And then he speaks of the glory. And the glory forever when we speak of glory it refers to God's uh, character his excellency his dignity it can be the idea the colloquial expression he is heavy you know the, the idea of this presence Well, God all of his attributes all of his glory all of who he is for thine is a glory Men's glory is fleeting and passing and disappears. Just like that. It was King Louis Fourteenth, who claimed to be the greatest. Well, in 1715, when they had his funeral service and the eulogy, the preacher said, and there was a silence when he said it, only God... Is great. Remember Muhammad Ali? I'm the greatest. He could hardly get the words out now. There's only one great one. There's only one who is great. It's God. Remember a story about Muhammad Ali flying in an airplane and the air stewardess came up to him and said, Mr. Ali, Put your seatbelt on. And he looked up at her and says, Superman doesn't need any seatbelts. And the stewardess said, Superman doesn't need a plane. (laughs) There's only one who is great. And that's God and God alone. In John 1, 14, it says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only. Moses, on the mountain, saw his glory. That gave him strength to endure the years in the wilderness. The disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration saw his glory as Jesus was transfigured right before them. Beloved, when we come to a time of prayer... When we come to a time and we begin to say, Oh, Lord, we want to see your glory, and he manifests himself among us, something happens in the life of people who behold the glory of God. Something happens in the heart of a man and a woman when they behold his glory. Their lives are changed. Their lives are altered. Their values are changed. When we behold his glory, see the expression of God's glory, we've seen him. And he's changed us. That was A. B, the anticipation of God's glory. The anticipation of God's glory. In Luke 21, 27. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. In Revelation, it tells us that the title is going to be King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Someday, He's going to break through that eastern sky. Someday, we are going to see His glory. All the glory of earthly kings will pale in comparison to his glory. He will come in magnificent splendor. He will come with the angels of heaven. Men will seek to hide themselves, but the believer will welcome him as their Lord and Savior. See, he's coming in glory. When we end that prayer with that doxology, for thine is the kingdom, we're saying, oh, Lord, I know you're going to come back and set up your kingdom and the government is going to be on your shoulders. We're making an affirmation of our faith when we say thine is the power. We know that no earthly power, no power in Washington, no power in Moscow, no power in Jerusalem, no power in the Middle East, no power in this world can compare with the power of Almighty God. And when we say thine is the glory, We recognize that we're going to see a glorious day, a splendid day, when God Himself appears and all men will fall down and worship Him as King of kings and Lord of lords. Church, let's begin now. Let's begin now. Let's begin now praising Him. Hallelujah. 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 Let me read again the words of David. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And who are my people? That we should be able to give as generously as this. Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. We recognize it all belongs to him. When it concludes with amen, the Hebrew means so be it, I agree. Do you agree with the prayer that's been prayed through the centuries? So be it, I agree. Think about that word, forever. If you were to take a dove and that dove were to fly to the moon and bring back a piece of stone from the moon to the earth and it were to do it until all the moon had been transplanted to the earth, eternity would just have begun forever and ever. I read the story about the Second World War. Some men were taken captive and they were in the barracks They were being harassed and beaten by their captors. And one man began to pray the Lord's Prayer. And then soon others heard him and joined. And then the barracks on the other side heard the men praying the Lord's Prayer and they too joined. And before you knew it, the whole camp joined in that one resounding shout, Amen! Amen! Ha! So be it! So be it, Lord. His is the kingdom. The kingdom of darkness will be broken by the kingdom of God. Sickness will be gone, pain will be over, suffering will be just a mere memory. Ah, the power will be his. Satan chained forever and ever, no longer to tempt or to try men. And all the glory will be his. And you'll be sharing with it. He said in John chapter 17, Father, I pray that I might be glorified, that you might be glorified. And Lord, I want to give them glory too partakers of the great kingdom to come.
0: Praying is one of the most intimate parts of our Christian life. It's the single most important way we communicate with God. Over the centuries, there have been many wonderful prayers written by saints of God, and probably the most notable is the Lord's Prayer that Jesus prayed in Luke chapter 11. Pastor Ed will be teaching through this prayer in a nine-part series entitled, the Lord's Prayer. In each broadcast of Voice of Faith, Pastor Ed will break down each of the components of this prayer, helping us to understand the significance of each part. We'll learn what it means to forgive others as we've been forgiven, and why it's important to ask the Lord to deliver us from the snares of Satan. Now, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith with Dr. Edward Jones. Please join us next time as Pastor Ed continues teaching through this series entitled The Lord's Prayer right here on Voice of Faith.